0: Well hello everybody and welcome to Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower who is respected by your peers. You can become the athlete you want to row with. I'm Rebecca Caro and I'm joined by Marlene Royal. Hello Rebecca and hello to our Faster Masters Rowing audience. Very happy to be back with everybody this week. How's your week been, Marlene?
1: Good. Um, You know, we've been doing some of our Faster Masters background work, preparing articles and uh, things that we like to share when people sign up for our advocacy page. So, you know, we've been working on some content this week.
0: Yes, if anybody's interested, go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash advocacy and you can sign up to receive an article a month which you can put into your club newsletter um, just as a as a gift from us and we're also going to be sending them through to row trade which is the australian rowing it's not really a magazine it's more of a kind of listings pdf thing anyway so they'll be coming through for march and april later on this year We've also been featured in Row 2K this week. So you may remember a couple of weeks ago, we announced the State of Masters Rowing Survey was published and Row 2K have put it on their features. So if you are a habitual reader of that wonderful website, uh, please go and have a look and you can see the whole report listed there. And we've got a forward announcement. Last week, we mentioned that we're going to be speaking at the U.S. Rowing Masters Conference and a few folks messaged us afterwards going, I can't find any information. (laughs) although, Although we've been signed, we'd slightly jumped the gun we now have the full url if you were interested in joining you don't have to be a us rowing member you don't even need to be a master and the url is 2022 us rowing masters conference which is s-c-h-e-d like it's short for schedule.com so shed.com and i'll put that in the show notes as well and marlene what are you talking on
1: I am talking about uh, aging well and rowing well as you age. So I'm going to be talking about um, ways that we can continue to improve our technique as we age and um, our mobility changes, joints changes. We have changes in our muscle tissue and our strength and how to manage those changes, um, as well as some technical tips for joint protection and ways that Um, you can take care of your joints and improve your technique at the same time.
0: And I'm also talking and my speech is about how to organize a master's group for your club. And I'm going to be going into the kind of uh, decisions you need to make at the outset and your strategy and then the practical downstream implications for that What that means for if you have masters with different training goals, if you have a racing group and a training group and a learn to row group and how to manage the flow within and between them. I'm also going to be covering off what to do if you do not have a coach or if you do have a coach or you have a coach that's only there some of the time and ways to keep the group engaged and motivated. So that's quite a lot of stuff really isn't it
1: yeah it is it, it's great so i'm talking about things in the boat and rebecca's talking about things in the boathouse <laughs> so
0: that's cute you should do lot. social media for us yeah. I, I i think you could make a really
1: no 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 it is definitely not my talent <laughs> i'm a scientist
0: <laughs> <Can't see> that.
1: <laughs> boring <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: Now, the podcast this week is sponsored by the Aging Well webinar, how to know if your chronological and biological ages are diverging. We talk to two experts who study the science of aging and the science of longevity, which are not the same thing. And we talk about interventions that you can make in your own lifestyle to assist your aging and to get the outcomes that you desire Rather than necessarily the ones that life is going to be throwing at you. Now, this is a Faster Masters Rowing hosted webinar, and you can get all of the details by going to FasterMastersRowing.com forward slash register forward slash aging hyphen well. And I'll also put that note in the show notes. And the event is on the 15th of March, so it's in one week. We are recording it as usual, so even if you can't make the scheduled time, please don't worry, buy a ticket and pretty much within a couple of hours of finishing the entire live webinar, Marlene and I have the recording up in the uh, the learning management system so you can watch it on demand kind of whenever you're ready and come back to it as often as you like that's going to be pretty, pretty exciting. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. Both our speakers are very, very good and very dynamic. So I think I'm looking forward to it
0: too. I think we we all need all the tips that we can get. Exactly. And it's so clear to me that aging is very different for different people. Uh, someone said to me a while ago, how old do you think I am? And we were on a a Zoom call. So um, my, this is my excuse is that it wasn't very clear. and Twice it happened. And once I said 42, and she was 38. And once I said 58, and she was 60. So that just goes to show. Yeah, I,
1: I, I'm, I'm terrible at predicting ages. I really, you know, sort of, within a, a few decades, everybody looks the same to me. And I'm, I've never really been able to like, guess and nail it, you know, and there's so many, again, so many factors which we're going to learn about, you know, and and as we said, you know, everything that helps us live better, healthier, easier, happier, you know, we'll take all the advice we can get.
0: Yeah, definitely to be welcomed. Take a look at my glorious photograph of the week. This is coastal rowing in Tinos from tinos andronikos so i don't know whether that's his name or whether tinos is actually a place but it's definitely in greece and it just looks glorious so thank you for sharing that photo tinos yes yes our topic for this podcast is the athlete coach relationship now if you're watching us live You can ask questions or put your own comments underneath the live stream in the comments box. And uh, when we get the opportunity, we will come to your comments and we will read them out. And if they're questions, we will endeavor to answer them. Now, for masters, many of us work with coaches, as we discovered when we did the uh, Masters rowing survey. A lot of people work with a coach at least once a month, even if that's just for one workout. Obviously some of us have in-person relationships with our coaches. Some of us have remote or virtual relationships with our coaches. So Marlene, let's kick off. How should or could an athlete work with their coach? and how should the coach then work with you?
1: Well, I, th- I think the first thing that you have to look at is what are the what are the goals? Uh, what are the goals of the athlete? What are the goals of the coach? Are there similarities? Are there differences? Uh, what type of program are you in? Are you in? Are you at a, a camp? Are you in a competitive program? Are you in a, a more fitness-oriented program? A more technically-oriented program? So, so I think first of all you have to look at what what environment that you're in, but you know i think the the main features of a successful athlete coach relationship is developing trust and respect and understanding um i know certainly my my experience in working quite a lot in camp situations um where people come for a week or a weekend is understanding right away is communication and understanding right away um, what would they like to get out of the camp or what would they like to get out of their private lesson. so I think I think good communication and respect and is the first place to start.
0: It's quite interesting isn't it how different coaches really are very very different if you Come up through high school or university rowing, the general expectation is that the coach says, and you do, and mm-hmm, you don't yeah. question them, except perhaps to clarify your understanding. And yet, when you move along and you become a master's rower, whether you're experienced or not, it's very noticeable differences. And I think that's partly to do with your kind of life stage and your life experience. Yes,
1: absolutely. And when you think of high school rowing, juniors rowing, university rowing, most of the time that is also competitive rowing. So when you're in a competitive environment and the goal the goal is to improve the team or to win races, you know, the demands are different. The demands of a competitive program are are different. So you know, a coach definitely imposes their standards and, but it's also the role of the coach to develop the team culture and help the team develop the culture to have high standards of, of behavior and, and quality and how they train and what their, what their responsibilities are. So I think the most successful coaches um, help the team create the momentum and the energy themselves. It's not necessarily a top, top down type of a system.
0: It was very noticeable when I lived in Cambridge and we were, my husband was coaching on the boat race program. There were lots of um, athletes who came to Cambridge who were not from the UK. And it was very noticeable that the Europeans, came and expected to have a relationship with the coach where they could ask questions and they could put their opinions forward. Whereas the ones that came from North America were horrified that you thought you could offer your advice to the coach. And they very much felt that they were receiving wisdom rather than offering it.
1: Interesting. Many years ago, I did an interview with with Igor Grinko. and, um, And Igor coached three different national teams. He, he coached in in the, in the, it it was the former Soviet Union, but he, um, he was from Ukraine. So he coached, he coached in Ukraine and on the Soviet team, he coached in China and he coached in, in the United States. And, um, and I did an interview with him at the Munich world cup back in, oh, I think it was like 2000, maybe 2001 or 2002. And, um, and and he compared what it was like to work with the three different national teams and how different the athletes were. And actually, one of the things he he had commented about was on the the, you know, on the, the Chinese team, they were just waiting for instructions and it was the type of system you did what the coach said and you didn't ask questions. He said actually the the Americans challenged him more asking why do we have to do this they were they were more questioners or mm-hmm. um from, from this point of view and and in the in the soviet system of course athletes lived to you know they lived in camp situations probably you know 325 days a year um so there there was there was probably more of a holistic approach because because they they lived they did live so closely together it wasn't like people went home to their apartments they were living in camp situation all the time so it was also more um you know based on how how people were feeling and you know adjusting the workloads and you know more discussion back and forth so it was it was very very interesting
0: Which brings us neatly to the sort of next part of this discussion of the athlete-coach relationship, which is what boundaries are there to the relationship? And I'll kick off by telling a story about some friends who we were staying with who were both coaches. And during dinner one night, a phone call came through from one of the athletes, and one of them left the table and spent 45 minutes on the phone in clearly a very intense discussion with this particular athlete and their choice was different than mine I would not have accepted that sort of interaction in my own family private time and that was my you know, choice. Mm-hmm. And boundary setting is, if anyone who's had kids knows that setting boundaries is an important part of teaching kids how to behave and what is isn't is not acceptable behavior. But actually, the same principles apply to the athlete-coach relationship.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. I, I would think so. I think especially if you very much value your private time, and perhaps you have limited private time to be with your with your partner, you don't want that time to be interrupted. You want to make sure that that's set aside. But I think again, this is where we go to the the communication, and you you have to be clear with each other of how do you communicate. Um, do you do you mind if somebody texts you at X hours or at such and such time? Um, do you have certain days off? That are off from the team. That unless it's an emergency, yeah. you know, it's it's private time. And and I think, you know, I mean, honestly, I find that most of the time, certainly, you know, I work with masters athletes most of the time, and I mean, I really do find that most of the time people are really quite quite respectful. But as in any situation, you know, it just takes one high demand or one person who's more needy than other people or more somebody who doesn't have that boundary. And I think you have to, um, you know, you, you have to communicate what's appropriate and, and what's not appropriate, particularly if you're scheduling boatings or reserving boatings, you know, you have to say, you know, we want to know your schedule by Sunday night at five o'clock, you know, not emailing some, your, your, person who does your boat reservation at 8 p.m. on Sunday night saying that you want to row at five o'clock Monday morning, you know, and th- those types of things. So there's certainly those types of rules of how you manage your team. But I do think um, things like keeping appointments and expectations of being on time for practice. Oh, nice and, you goodness. know, you know, do you expect, do You know, you have to be clear about what time you're supposed to arrive and what time does the practice session start. You know, if the practice or the class or the lesson is at seven, you don't arrive at seven. You arrive at six forty-five and your boat is on the water and you're ready to begin the lesson at seven. And these are these are things that sound really simple and and common, but you'd be amazed how many times you have to repeat them, you know, arrive at the boathouse by this time, the class starts at this time. And, you know, if somebody is perpetually late, you have to decide, you know, what do you do about this? Do you ask them not to come? Do you ask them to go to a different session? You know, those are, I mean, those are things that you, if, if it's disruptive mm. to, to the class, you know, these are things that you have to have a strategy or again communicate
0: if it becomes an issue. I think that you made a really good point there. And particularly in a club situation, it's not a bad idea to have these written down. So, um, you know, the, the, this is what you can expect if you join the club. The challenge is if that's a change from what people are used to who, who are long standing members. But if you are in a group that self-organizes, and so many master's groups do, it really helps if you can discuss together how you're going to do this. So you might say, we only have one session a month with the coach. How can we get the most from that? Maybe the thing to do is the week prior for the entire group to discuss What are the things that they would like the coach to focus on so that ahead of time they get a list and say Rebecca's working on this and Marlene's particularly struggling with that or so and so wants to know if they've got better at this particular point or as a crew, we're really finding that the boat isn't balanced at the finish or whatever the thing is. So, you know, if you can be practical and think, well, we want to maximize our output from the session. One way of doing that is briefing well ahead of time and then maybe even printing that out and bringing it to the session so that the coach can have it in their pocket to refer to. Or things like, you know, if they don't coach with you often, I like to give them the crew order because some coaches love to call out the seat number. Others like to have the person's name. So, you know, little things like that. I think you can be supremely helpful to a coach and make sure that you as a group feel everybody has got represented and got, you know, out of it what they're hoping.
1: Yes, I I think that's a really important point. And in coaching team boats, sometimes there are issues such as the crew has one outing every 2 weeks or every month. So that outing with the coach is quite valuable and you don't want to waste time deciding what you're going to do. So I think the early planning is key to that. I think it's also understanding between the coach the coach and the boat what's the approach because sometimes there are discrepancies that a coach feels I coach the whole boat. I'm watching the whole boat and I coach the whole boat and they don't go to each seat and talk with the athlete individually and give them something to work on. I know this, this can be a great source of frustration mm-hmm. for masters who are paying $25 a session and then they mm-hmm. don't get one personalized tip for themselves. They, they, the coach is giving them the overview of the boat, what the boat should work on. However, the athletes are expecting individual attention And, you know, this is something that I think that that's something that happens quite common. A coach is coaching a group and the information is directed towards the group and the individuals are looking for one thing that they personally can work on. Um, So that that's something I think should be part of determining what the athlete coach relationship is. If it's a, you know, a, a situation where you don't have a coach very often, but even if you do, Are people expecting one? You know, I I always think it's important to have one bit of feedback for each athlete per
0: session. Totally right. And that brings us on to how to give and receive feedback. So if I were coaching that group that you just described, and my preference is to coach the whole crew, one of the things that I sometimes do is during the on water session where I'm coaching the whole crew, I shoot video on my phone and then I give the individual feedback afterwards in the form of a commentary over the video. Mm-hmm. And you can then do that individually. So you can pick out and do, you know, for a quad, you can do four little mini videos, the same video, but you talk to one athlete. Because I notice, particularly in Masters, there are often sensitivities with people knowing other people are hearing their personal feedback? Yes. Yes.
1: Some people can be very sensitive to that and they don't like to go to a group video session, even though you can learn so much about watching other people's videos. But I think that's a great way to give private feedback. Um, And I also use that, that method too, that if I'm coaching singles and I'm in a motorboat, I will be recording, I'll be videotaping them and we will be coaching them as I'm recording that. And then I send them the video so that they have a reminder of what, of what they're working on. I do think at the beginning of a session, it's, it's important to ask it. Well, I'm, I'm approaching this right now from say coaching single scholars or say a camp situation where they may be, they may be working with a few different coaches during the Mm -hmm. term of their camp. I kind of make it a rule to first ask them, what What have you been working on? What are you currently focusing on? And then trying to build on that. And if they're at the point where they are successful, that they've made improvement, then they might be ready to move on to a different topic. If not, I will just try to to build on what they're already working on and maybe give them a little bit different perspective well why don't you try working try try it this way what this coach said why don't you try it this way both the same goal but see which one works better for you and you know because i think it's important if somebody's working on something not to deviate and go off on a different tangent when they're maybe really focused on that or maybe they came to camp to learn how to do one thing better and you you know it's important not to put in there what you want them to do better, but find out what they're working on. and then if if you have to, you can you know you can work your way around and get to that the topic you want. but but you know I think you have to put the athlete first in this in this situation.
0: That's a great point. And then I'm going to back that with what to do at the end of the session. So at the end of the session, I gather athletes around on the bank once we put the boats away, and I ask them each, for something that was good and something to improve on. And I let them, again, vocalize the things that they think are good for themselves. And it doesn't matter if they were crew boats or not. It helps me to see the bits that they focus on and felt important to them. But then I can then also use that as a teaching point for the entire group, if I think it's something that is more universal that we could all learn from. The homework element, and where I like to back it up, is to use videos of good rowing as something for people to watch afterwards. So if they can watch themselves and then watch someone who's more skillful than themselves, and I have two or three videos that I have on file where they've been videoing elite athletes in slow motion. So particularly Mm -hmm. side view, in a single skull, looking at body positions, looking at hand positions, looking at elbow heights, and sequencing, that can be particularly helpful, because most phones, mine has a feature where I can do a slow motion video. So I can literally take three strokes, and it films them in slow motion. Sadly, when you them to YouTube YouTube doesn't have that feature but it has a separate slow motion option which mm-hmm. you can, you just need to make sure that people know where the settings are uh, for you to do the playback speed but I do think that that helps people to say okay compare and contrast what do I look like what does good rowing look like exactly and I
1: think when you're giving feedback another point that's that's very important is separate the individual's identity from the skill. So this this sometimes can be um, you know, if somebody is a little bit self-conscious or a little bit self-critical, for example, they can take they can take criticism or feedback very personally, maybe sometimes too personally. Uh, and I, I think it's important that the coach word feedback in a way that is based on the skills we're looking for the blade to be vertical at this point then then if there were a couple of strokes where that didn't happen hmm. you can say well th- your blade was almost vertical but it wasn't quite vertical so you know just focus focus on the position of the blade and it isn't taken in a way that well you you're not doing this you're you are not doing this correctly it should be we're looking for the blade to be feathered at this point or we're looking for it to be square and then bring the attention to that that happened simply because the blade wasn't in the position we're looking for at this moment. And I think it's, it's important to define those skills rather than make it seem as if it's the individual's fault that that's happening. It's not, it's a skill that, you know, the blade is in this position and it needs to be in this position. So let's look at it and let's try to work on the steps to get the sequence correct. And maybe we have to back up a few steps and review that or check hand position or whatever. But I think it's important to isolate it um, from a skill point of view and be clear of what you are looking for as,
0: as a coach. As an athlete, when I am receiving feedback, I always try to be open minded, accepting that there are both stylistic differences in how people row, which we have talked about many times, but also practical things. Different coaches tend to focus at different things. If you have a a group of coaches all standing on the riverbank, one will be a power person, one will be a finishes person, one will Mm -hmm. be a recovery person. You know, where do you start in the stroke cycle to fix things is a question I love to ask because I know my preference and different (laughs) people have different preferences. Yes. And so even if I don't think I'm particularly bad at something or I disagree with that as a starting point, I try to be very respectful to the guidance I'm being given and to do my best to make the change that they're asking for.
1: Yeah and and that from from an athlete's point of view is a very good skill and we call that coachability and even if you it may not be something that you integrate all the time in your particular style by trying the way trying a method that another coach s- suggests you might get a light bulb mm. in another direction and go oh all right well I never connected those two things but that the drill he just had me do or the drill she just had me do connected that little gap that i you know i wanted to close that gap and maybe maybe the coach didn't know that they closed that gap but they had you do an exercise that was a little bit different that gave you a little bit different feedback or if you're a pretty intuitive athlete you know you're always working you're working on these things and we we've talked about this a lot of coaches who describe what they want to see, but they don't necessarily give you the tools of how to get there. So there are tools that rely. There are coaches who rely on the, the the athlete's intuition to solve the problem, and then there there are coaches who guide guide you a little bit more in saying, okay, well, you know, let's use this as a reference point and go go practice this with this reference point. So you know, there are different coaching philosophies and between a coach and an athlete you if if you have a coach who's relying on the athlete being completely in, intuitive and the athlete is very concrete and wants mm. to know well where should my shoulders be
0: mm.
1: you know you <laughs> they need help you have to you have to
0: balance this
1: relationship so that's where the again where the communication comes in
0: yeah the, Demonstration. that's really yeah and and then at the end when you're not in the boat Giving feedback. I sometimes ask for feedback on the water. I sometimes give feedback. Sometimes, if we're in a crew, you know, we try and make sure that everyone has a chance to say something. Our coxswain often says, What's happening in the sharp end? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, when no, you come up a water, no. I think it's important if you are an experienced athlete, it's important in terms of leadership for your group that you give the coach really positive feedback on what they said that works for you or for the crew as a whole. And that that is also a really useful role in the athlete crew coaching relationship.
1: Yes, yes, 100%. And if you don't understand something, I mean, I think we've all had coaches ask us to do things, and we're not always sure how to how do, how do we fill those shoes? But, you know, I think there's another, there's another technique as well, where, um, there are coaches who coach while the boat is rowing
0: mm.
1: and there are coaches who let the crew execute. And when they stop, then they give their coaching instruction and then the boat rows and they don't, they don't interrupt the boat when they're rowing. So there are different, there are different methods of that. Um, you know, El Moro often talk, uh, from Canada often talked about the fact that I would let, you know, I would give the crew discussion, we'd have the feedback, but when they wrote their piece that he he was being silent and then when they stopped and they were taking a break or turning around that's when he would give his instruction or get his feedback, but he didn't he wanted them to focus while they were in the middle of the piece and he didn't want to interrupt interrupt them, so you know different again different methods and and you as an athlete might like to be talked to some people can't focus on things when somebody's talking to them so you know again it that's where the communication comes in
0: i had a wonderful coach in the uk who had a uh, a pretty lousy british sense of humor which means it was extremely good and very quirky and his preference was to coach each athlete as early as possible during the outing so that he could, we were all in single, so he could get around the group. And I loathed this. I wanted to warm up and get to a point where I felt that I was ready to work hard before I received the coaching. And so we had this game of cat and mouse where I would try and hide them. I would try and be first on the water. So that I was so far in front, that he would wash everyone else down in trying to catch me. And I read, we, we did have words about it, and and you know, we both understood the other's point of view, but sometimes one of us had to give way, and sometimes the other had to give
1: mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm, 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 I wanted
0: yes. them to see me when I was rowing at my best. You know, that was my motivation.
1: I I know. Well, it's like that. It's like that. If you're in charge of video recording the group, you know, mm-hmm. somebody's got to be first, and they're like, "No, no, I'm not warmed up," mm-hmm. and then it's like we're like, listen, it doesn't matter. Really, it really doesn't matter. Just, you know. <laughs> you know. So. But yes, yes, there, there definitely is that element. And then there's the people who are at the end of the group. And they're like, oh, I'm so tired. You know, you now I'm tired. You're rowing when you're tired, you know, but I don't know, you know, you have to balance it. So, you know, what we would try to do is make sure whoever was at the end of the group was at the beginning of the the recording, the next session, you know, and we, oh. we, we tried to, you know, we really did try to balance it out. So you don't have the same person who's the last person three days in a row.
0: Right. So. Absolutely. One of the things about that boundary setting is also to explain, particularly if you're on a coach boat and you're coaching a large group of small boats is to explain to them, if you want coaching, drop back and come close to the coach boat. I can't coach you if you're 200 yards away in the distance. And and little things like that are really quite helpful. So that if someone does not want coaching, I don't mind. You know, that's cool. Go and have a session doing the things the way you want to do them. And if you didn't, if you don't complain that you didn't get coached, if you are too far away and you know that the coach doesn't want to wash down everybody else as they pass them in order to get close to you. Oh,
1: absolutely. That is one of my absolute pet peeves that somebody wants coaching, but then they're, they're over there way in the middle of the lake, like 400 meters away from anybody else. And well, how do you expect me to get there when I've got five people over here and you're over there, you know, so I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. And that, and that is part of running your your team practice, whether you've got two eights or two quads, or you're running four pairs, or you've got five singles, you know, they have to understand where they're supposed to be relative to each other. And they have to work, they have to work together. And, um, you know, running small groups is a, is a real skill for a coach. I think, I think to be successful at running small groups and particularly competitive pieces and, teaching athletes how to cooperate and how to get level during rest periods, not just to row away so that, you know, you're starting the piece all by yourself. And, uh, you know, that takes a lot of skill and, and management on the water.
0: It does. That's the whole topic for another day. Yes. Well, thank you for sticking with us for Faster Masters Rowing Radio. This is the show dedicated to Masters Athletes who want fun, fitness, and confidence in their rowing, you can become a student of the sport by buying a Faster Masters Rowing Program subscription today. Go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash join. And we look forward to seeing you this time next week.
1: Yes, and remember to join the webinar.
0: Yeah, aging well. We all need it. We are all aging. (laughs)